Hi everyone and welcome to the Hardcore Podcast where we get in hardcore with dancers from all around the world and have a really open and honest chat about ballet training and the highs and lows of being a ballet dancer, trying to become a professional ballet dancer or a dancer in general. I'm your host Romy Dare and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to the Hardcore Podcast. Today I'm joined with Tabitha Morse. Hi Tabitha. Hiya. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Um, it's really lovely to have you on and I'm excited to get into the chat. Um, I think this will be really helpful for so many young dancers out there and um, and I'm really excited to get into it. Um, just before we start, well, no, we are starting, um, just so the listeners can get to know you, um, we're going to do a little quick fire round. Um, I'll read out the questions and yeah, just so like the dancers can get to know you and then we'll go into like more about you. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. So the first question is, um, where do you train or like, where did you train and what are you doing now? Okay, so I used to um, train at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland up in uh, Glasgow, and I'm now just about to graduate um, from the University of Chichester. Nice, nice. What are you doing at Chichester? Yeah, <laughs> um, so I <laughs> am on the dance science program there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm about to graduate from that. That's exciting. Um, what is your favourite style? Or, yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess it would probably still be ballet, um, but I have yeah. got a bit more kind of into contemporary dance in the past couple of years. Nice, nice. Um, what point shoes did you wear? I uh, had a point shoe nightmare <laughs> most of the time whilst I was yeah. dancing. Um, yeah, but I used to wear Suffolk, and then I spent a couple of years wearing Wemois as well. Oh, nice. I've never actually met anyone who has worn any of those shoes, so that's really interesting. Oh, okay. Uh, are they from America? Do you have to get them from America? So there used to be a factory in, oh, I don't know where. I was going to say Leicester, but I don't think it is Leicester. Maybe Lancaster. I think it's somewhere beginning with L. Okay. I don't know. Um, that used it could to be sell Leicester. The... No, yeah. Maybe it is Leicester that used to sell the Suffolk be. shoes. Um, yeah. So we used to get them from there, and then eventually we didn't end up having to get them from the States. And then okay. um, where more you can get in the UK. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I think I well, I followed Suffolk Point on Instagram because mm-hmm. I just followed too many Instagram accounts. Um, <laughs> and they, I saw that they did have a, like a, what would you call it? Not a workshop, a factory in the UK. Yeah. And I know in Leicester there used to be a freed factory at some yeah, point. They, they, so, were, they did kind of branch off from free. So, yeah, maybe it was Leicester. It might be the same one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Next question is, what is the favorite? What is your favorite leotard that you own? Oh, uh, I used to wear a lot. I we had a really nice, like, um, light blue Wemoir one, um, mm-hmm. which had like little floral paneling on it, which I used to love. Um, but I've not worn a leotard in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I might know. Um, um, see, the thing is, I'm very, I'm a leotard. I like to think of myself as a leotard expert. So. <laughs> might know what you're talking about it had like um, little not like 
really but like it had little like cute sleeves and it's like a, a baby blue um Ooh. with like yeah little pink and blue um flower backing I'm not describing this very oh. well <laughs> I've not I'm... seen it for about three years it's in a box seen... in the bottom of my drawer yeah yeah like little like I don't know. It's got to... like a floral. Yeah. Mesh. Is it floral? Yeah, mesh? yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think I might know what you mean. I'm, I yeah, love that I you even know. know. I'm describing this absolutely awfully, but Literally. I love that you're, no, <laughs> you're like, so yeah, bad. I know which one you mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's something that you've been loving recently, or a favorite quote? Ooh. Um. I guess, like quote wise um I quite like there's um one I saw the other day and it was saying that you can't look after everyone else at the expense of looking after yourself and I think yeah I don't know it's something that I am definitely like quite guilty of like I'm very good at like I feel being there for other people and offering advice and then I'm absolutely awful at looking after myself and so it's something I'm trying actively a bit more to um and implement and that's something I saw and thought oh yes that's that's a bit of me I think I need a bit more time in my life (laughs) yeah no I completely agree I feel like that's a like a lot of people can relate to that yeah I don't know why yeah especially Um, at this time as well I think it's something that you know you do still need to bear in mind that you know you can't pour from an empty cup kind of thing yeah 100% okay so let's Let's chat about what have you been doing in lockdown? How have you been kind of, I guess, coping? What have you been up to? Yeah, so I've been working. <laughs> um, I work in a little cafe in the town I live in. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of a family-run business. And then they just kind of are trying to get in, start to live on their own. And I live on my own at the moment. So I've just been working a lot. Um and that's kind of been, you know, it's like eight till six, half six, seven each day. Um, so that's just been keeping yeah. me busy. And my colleagues are lovely. We're all kind of like a little family. Um, yeah, so honestly, it's just been that. And going for walks as well. I live in a gorgeous town and like going for walks down by the canal and in the parks um, and just getting out where I can has no. been really good. Yeah, that sounds really lovely (laughs) I feel so bad talking about this when you're like yep and I'm stuck indoors no cafes can't go anywhere can't do anything I'm so sorry (laughs) no no that's fine um hopefully the Leicester lockdown doesn't last too long I I really hope so um yeah Yeah. no I think it'll be fine let's hope it's like two weeks I mean I don't think it should be long any longer than that but we'll see (laughs) yeah oh gosh but that's all right Okay, so now let's talk about your, like, dancing journey, we'll call it. Um, <laughs> what were you doing before RCS? What kind of made you choose to go to RCS? Like, were you offered anywhere else? Um, like, how did that kind of all work out for you? Okay, so I, um, before RCS, I was on the CAT program at Northern Ballet. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. a pre-professional training program. Um, and I was there for I think six years, six or seven years. Um, yeah. And then I auditioned for different vocational schools. 
and then I got injured after my prelims um, and ended up missing quite a few different final auditions. And I remember RCS was the only school that was really like, it's okay, um, you know, you can come back in April. And they were so um, kind of welcoming. And I just loved that they were part of a bigger institution because I'm quite musical as well. And they've got an, am- yeah. an amazing music program there. And you have the chance to collaborate with other students. And it was just something that from the outset, I was like, you know, this is kind of where I want to go. And from my prelim, the whole environment there and the teachers, um, it was definitely my favourite school. And Glasgow is a city as well. Like, it's like still to this day, it's it's gorgeous. Like, I would love to go back up there and live there for a bit, um, for a bit more Mm -hmm. um, time. But yeah, so it was just kind of from the outset. And I'm, you know, very fortunate to get a place and then that's when I decided to go mm. nice did you do your this is really random because I mean I auditioned for RCS but I think I was auditioned the year before you I think I was auditioning for the 26 2016 start uh I started in September 2016 oh okay same oh so we might have actually been the same auditions that's so <laughs> that's, did you, yeah did you do the prelims in London no I did prelims in Glasgow I did prelims in Glasgow in it must have been January or February and then I ended up doing did you my go to finals in Glasgow uh yeah but I didn't do because of, I got injured I ended up okay, going yeah. to join in with a first year class instead of doing the oh, okay so, uh, actual yeah. final I went to the final audition but and I remember it's so like like I remember, like being like he was in my class, like and I yeah. can tell you where where they all went. <laughs> so much, like I remember, like I find someone on Instagram, I'm like oh, I'm pretty sure they were. In it's my such class. a small world. Like, like pretty, I'm I'm constantly shocked world. at like how just everyone knows everyone, or everyone knows someone you know, who's like you know really yeah. good friends with someone else. It's just yeah, yeah it's crazy. It's so, <laughs> to be fair, I think we well we might have been in same auditions at some point. I don't know. Where else did I'm you sure. apply for? Um, all the usual, Central, Elmhurst. Um, I did a class at Rumba, and still to this day, I think oh. it is the hardest ballet class I've ever done. Really? Um, did you, yeah. As an audition? As an audition. audition. It was crazy hard. I was like, oh, it's a contemporary school. The ballet bit, it was the hardest ballet class I think I've ever I done. I can't remember the class. Um, I don't know. I can't remember. I, well, I only apply for four places, but... Um, Where else did you audition oh, for? Um, Central, mm-hmm. Rambert, RCS and Ballet West. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't, never did the Ballet West audition. I, I didn't even know it existed, honestly, to be honest. I only heard of it yeah. when I went to RCS. Mm. Yeah, it's quite... Yeah, I don't think loads of people... It's quite a low-key school. Well, not low-key, but like, it's, you know... It's in Tinnel, right? Yeah, yeah, it looks beautiful. Yeah, it is. It is beautiful. It's in a like lovely place. Um, okay, so you went to RCS. How? Let's let's get into the, the <laughs> nitty gritty. Let's talk about your experience. Start from the beginning. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. So it's so hard because. Okay, kind of for two reasons it's really difficult because I I have so many like good memories but 
if in all honesty, a lot of them are good because of the people I met whilst I was there. Like the, my class and my year group, you know, we were so close. And um, I think that's what made it really for me rather than the dancing side. Um, mm-hmm. And then also, especially during my second year, just because of the way things were and how I was feeling at the time. Like, I don't remember a lot of it. Um mm-hmm. Just because I was so um, just kind of out of it for, you know, quite a lot of the year um, that looking back on stuff like I really don't remember a lot of it. But in my first year, I remember that I was just I always felt quite behind everyone else. And I always felt like I was constantly playing catch up. Um, but, but having a good time, like I, I really enjoyed the work and I just. I remember we're so blessed there with the music and the musicians. And another reason why I wanted to go there was because I just remember loving dancing to the, um, just the pianists and the music that they have. They're they're incredible. And that was something Mm -hmm. that for me was really important because it reminded me why I loved dancing and why I loved being there. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I did improve in my first year and I have a lot of problems with my feet. Um, so I find point work really, really hard. And my point work was definitely way behind where it should have been. Um, and this gave me a lot of problems when I went into second year as well. Um, so it basically it's just it's really painful because of the way my toes are. And mm-hmm. it's all, yeah, it's all a bit grim. But <laughs> as dancers' feet are, um, yeah. I just kind of tried to power on through and try and keep um, going. But yeah, point work was something I really, really struggled with. And... Mm-hmm. I think it was really hard because, like I said, I'm so close with um, all of my year group and just seeing them do so well and seeing them, like, you know, I just always felt like I was just not, not good enough, just like I just couldn't, just could not keep up. Um, and then, so yeah, in first year, like, I mean, it was better than second year, definitely. Um, mm. and I was just kind of hoping, okay, this, I've had my, you know, one year of kind of, I now know that I am not where I need to be. So over summer I will work harder and I will come back stronger in second year. And that's what I did. I went and did summer school in Copenhagen okay, and again, actually, yeah. kind of got a bit of a shock because you, you're in such a bubble up in Scotland, you know, you I never went down to London really, or, um, went anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And to see where everyone else my age was at was, um a shock I think a bit honestly um so again that kind of just pushed me being like okay you know keep going harder you know you need to do more need to do more and then I started second year and I think my mentality flipped a bit I kind of just became overly like overly driven um You know, I was, I think beforehand, I was probably a bit more balanced. So I was always working on the side. I worked as a children's bookseller. um, And, you know, I loved having my weekends off to do that and kind of interact with normal people. Um, And then that kind of started to slide a bit. And I was just, it was ballet, ballet, ballet practice. You know, I'd be there warming Mm -hmm. up, you know hour hour and a half before class I'd stay in practice I'd go home have a little bit to eat and then I'd be in the gym you know I'd be in the gym to like nine or ten 
and this wasn't something I'd ever really done before but I was just so like okay this is my year second year is the big year you know there's all you know you'll know there's so much pressure in second year to okay this is the year you need to do your best so that in third year you know you are at your peak and um I think this kind of lasted about two months and then oh my god I do like it just all fell apart honestly um and I never really got back to that point you know I I had got stronger and I was dancing at at my best I think and I think that's something I still struggle with because I will always see and think of my best time dancing as when I was in hindsight not thinking like as healthily or being as healthy or as happy you know I wasn't really happy but I was happy that I was dancing better if that makes sense you know I was miserable were you getting a lot of praise would you say like yeah yeah I was being told that I looked good I was being told that things were getting it's that correlation you make in your head isn't it you know oh well I'm miserable and I'm doing damage to myself but my dance is better and I'm getting praise so therefore I must be doing something right and that was definitely the um that was definitely the link I made in my head and then yeah and yeah that was that and then the rest of my second year was kind of spent partly trying to um get back to that point that I was in in the autumn Mm -hmm. um but I just I just couldn't really and I um you know I was it just it became very physical like I've missed a lot of classes um I just couldn't get myself in and yeah you know I was an unhappy uh, 19 year old in central Glasgow you know I was just went a bit off the rails to be honest and the ballet just kind of slid and slid and slid um and then it kind of did get to the point where even in the state I was in I realized I'm not going to be able to continue like I can't get back all this time and then yeah. um I had one teacher who didn't know me for my dancing she kind of helped um and she supported us doing the academic side to our course and Mm -hmm. this was again something that I really enjoyed I really I've always kind of been quite fascinated by um the more kind of academic side of dance and I enjoy writing Mm -hmm. I enjoy researching and her lessons was something I actually looked forward to and she helped me to kind of get to a point where I could see that there would be something that I could do which would allow me to still have dance in my life but that wouldn't be kind of detrimental to me I guess and Mm -hmm. she helped me to apply for this course that I'm about to graduate from and Mm -hmm. without her I would I wouldn't have done that Um, and that kind of process of realizing that you know I can do something else and that something else will be better than ballet even though it took a long time to kind of see that because you get so yeah. wrapped up in thinking ballet is all I can do you know what would I do if I couldn't do that um and that yeah. would just terrified me for months and it definitely yeah. kind of delayed me in terms of deciding what I was going to do and mm-hmm. oh yeah and yeah so then the kind of second part of second year was spent trying to build myself back up to a point where I could um, finish the year in a way that would leave me with better memories of it and then yeah. move on to 
to um yeah uni life (laughs) so yeah I mean I do have really good memories of ballet training um and I definitely wouldn't be where I am without it um but it wasn't the experience I'd hoped it would be um yeah in total honesty I guess (laughs) yeah no well that yeah exactly that's I think more I think a lot of people I mean I can't speak for everyone um but looking back at me, like, before going to, I guess, like, full-time ballet school, I I don't know what I expected, mm-hmm. but I think it's a lot harder than people expect. Yeah. Like, how, men- how hard mentally it is. Mm-hmm. No one ever tells you. No. <laughs> no, I Never know. tells you. Like, like, but I guess it's hard. Um, I'd say I'm quite, a, like, a strong person. Mm-hmm. Um. And I feel like, like, I don't know, like some people, I remember like there'll be times like I was in training and people be like, oh, like, you know, how did you cope with that teacher was literally just like slating you on the spot in front of everyone. Like, yeah, like doesn't, aren't you like, aren't you upset or some like, I don't know, stuff like that. But I don't, I don't know, like, I feel like I have a quite thick skin, Mm -hmm. which has kind of, which has helped me yeah, because. I'm not saying that, like, obviously people that um, go on to other things are weak. I think everyone's yeah. completely different. Yeah, like, I'm not yeah. saying that. But every, like, I feel like everyone, like, everyone's so different. And I know a lot of people that, I guess, full-time training has you know, not, I don't know if, like, broken is the right word, but kind of, like, changed yeah. what they do because it's been so, like, difficult. And then they realise I'd you know don't think this is what I can't keep this up mm-hmm. sort of thing and there's definitely been times where I felt gosh like can I continue doing this and I think that's there was definitely like points in my training and I was like like I don't know if I can continue like kind of just felt like you're trudging through like thick mud for yeah. the end and it's like is this ever going to pay off am I ever going to be treated how like you know am I ever going to I think something particularly in that third year I felt like I'd worked so hard in the like two years leading up um you know I wasn't like I was always a very like committed student and there's definitely people in my class who (laughs) I hate to like compare and be like oh but so-and-so was like not as committed as I was oh we Um, all know them like let's be honest (laughs) Every, like there, there's a you know there's always a mix of yeah like, yeah class. some people are more dedicated not dedicated but there's always like levels of hard working and mm-hmm. and ways of I showing it like, as well I think and I felt like I was yeah and I felt like I was giving so much to what I was doing and I didn't feel like I was seeing any of it on paper like in terms of marks I didn't feel yeah. like I've seen it passings yeah and I don't know like I definitely really struggled with that towards like particularly at the end because it really made me like kind of doubt like so much not but then it's weird because like I doubt like I remember like completely just like feeling like okay like well you know like maybe you know this is all I am going to do like maybe I'm not good enough to do that role and you know obviously there's a reason why they didn't pick me for this and 
but then I don't know like I'll have like two sides to the mindset where then it's like well actually and then the other side's like telling you like you know what like you've made it like this far like f them it's just one person's opinion like yeah but it's really hard to like find to like find the other side like the yeah. trying to like get yourself out of this like dark space mm-hmm. of doubting yourself and not I don't know like I don't know if you like if you feel the same but I think it kind of comes with like growing up and realizing like I looked back on like dark points and be like okay well like obviously that you know that wasn't a good time and Mm -hmm. and especially now like I'm I'm a lot I'm able to find I'm able to like stop myself and be like hey like come on now like that's like have a chat with myself and I definitely like towards the end of third year I felt like that's when that kind of voice was like starting to grow Mm -hmm. even though I was like having the other thoughts but I don't know like yeah that is that is something that I definitely can understand and relate to um especially in terms of I always feel um a bit I don't I guess it's kind of this kind of internal stigma about saying that about voices but I always tell myself in my head that I have like there's two voices there's the me which knows full well that um what I'm thinking is not rational and what I'm thinking is not logical and what I'm thinking is not healthy and then there is this other voice which is like it's not even just an inner critic because I know that you know most people will have the bit inside them that tells them that they're not good enough that you know they're doing this when they're doing that when they should be doing something else Mm. but it is literally this other little like gremlin voice that is like you know it just tears everything else kind of apart and when um I think there have definitely been times in my life where I have felt like that gremlin part if you like has literally just taken up my whole brain and I can't find me and I can't rationalize my way out of it because that bit is so strong whereas now I would say that I'm you know I'm very grateful to have been able to um kind of flip that around and you know now I can I wouldn't say that it's necessarily like three quarters me and you know a quarter the other bit I'd say it's probably more like half and half now but even that for me is something that makes a massive difference to my life you know yeah I can't talk about these things when it is too far the other way because it you know this other voice is like you know you don't you deal with this on your own you don't talk yeah. about it and I think what you were saying earlier as well in terms of being resilient and being tough is that for dancers, we so often kind of misinterpret resilience as being as either accepting mistreatment and accepting that you have to deal with um, these thoughts and behaviours and whatnot. Um, and that if you're not strong and you're not resilient and you don't accept it, then you're weak. And I think that is something that kept me in the state that I was in for so long because I was like, I am not strong enough if I can't deal with this and I don't deserve to be here. Everyone else can deal with it. Everyone else is dancing. They all, you know, but if I can't deal with it, then I'm weak and I won't make it kind of thing. And that mentality is so, it's so strong and it's, it's so insidious almost because you, I just couldn't talk myself out of it. And I know there are so many other dancers who feel the same. hundred percent. No, I remember, um, 
like I had a friend who kind of really struggled with like talking about like how she felt like during mm-hmm. her injury. Um, she felt really uncomfortable like crying in front of people because yeah. she brought up that crime was weak. Yeah. I remember I was a really big advocate. I was like, you have to let those tears out. You yeah. need to cry. You need to let, like, yeah. you can't be, like, don't bother up. Like, and it's and it's really sad that there is, like, a I guess a stigma or, you know, in the dance world that, you know, if you cry, you cry and if you say no to things or, especially, yeah. like, especially going through an injury, it's like, oh, if you don't push through, then you're weak. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's not about that like and I talked about this in a episode where like I've talked about injuries it's not up yet but or it might be when this episode goes up but um about like listening to your body like because everyone's going to be different everyone's pain tolerance is different and it's like you have like you can't be stupid to yourself like how would you treat your best friend how would you talk to someone else like tell your friend that she's a piece of shit and she doesn't deserve to be here and you know, like, yes, yeah, she should push through till she cries at the bar. No, like, what? No. Why would you do that to yourself? Like, it's so ridiculous. And I remember, like, seeing people and even like thinking it myself. And I look back at it now, I'm like, ridiculous. Like, <laughs> so toxic because that is praise. Yeah. Like, almost. Like, I remember I had a sore, like, toe in point in first year. And I remember it mm-hmm. was so. Like I look like it was so I'm bad. Like, not saying I should have sat out. It was literally a blister. Like it was fine. Yeah. I wasn't gonna myself. But I remember like I remember I was probably near crying at the beginning because it's like it was really painful. Um, <laughs> and then my teacher like like he basically praised me at the end for like not giving up, which I think okay, fine. Like I think it's important that I guess the students like you kinda learn not to give up at like the first hurdle. But then yeah. as I go through like injury times there was a point where I had a really sore hip um I didn't know what it was I'd been to the physio no one could give me a diagnosis I didn't know if it was a trapped nerve or a sprain or whatever no one knew except I remember it was painful to lift any leg even though it was only my right hip um I couldn't turn out without it being painful I couldn't walk without it when I slept and I remember being at the bar and crying in plies and my teacher just hit like there was nothing. There was no Romy, mm-hmm. go sit down. It was literally like, and I was like, I, I just didn't even know what to think. I was like, I'm crying and I get no response. Like, I didn't, I was like, what? And then, like, as I got, you know, kind of got through that and I was like, okay, no, I'm going to go sit down. Like, I'm over this. Like, <laughs> like I'm not going to be doing bio pain. Like, it's not worth it. And I feel like that's something I've always been a really big advocate for in terms of, like, if you're in pain and it's like an injury, mm-hmm. like don't do it. Don't. Yeah. It's not worth. It. You're going to be out longer than you would have if you just sat down at the beginning. Like. Yeah. And it's so sad because I I don't know and I'm sure you have too. I feel like you know, injuries are so big that you see people like in pain but pushing through because they feel like they have to mm-hmm. and it's, it's just so sad. Like. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, that was the same for me with, like, with point. And I guess a lot of mm. my, you know, the way that my feet are and work, you know, they, it was just, it was so painful all the time. And I just remember thinking, you know, well, this is just something that I'm going to have to deal with if I want to do this because 
you can't be a ballet dancer and not go on point. Um, and I just remember, yeah. like, on top of everything else that was going on at that time, just it was just, you know, I ended up with stress fractures and fractures in my toes. Oh. And, yeah. you know, I just, it was, it just had got to the point where I didn't know any different, I guess. Yeah, and it had been so long. Yeah, now. just it had been so long. And, like, even, like, I very rarely does it happen, but when I put a point shoe on now, like, I literally can't stay up for more than five minutes. And I have absolutely no idea how I used to do what I used to do because, you know, yeah. I, ca- I can't yeah. do it. The way that my feet are, I, I can't really do point work to the level that I need to be able to to be able to dance professionally. I have absolutely no yeah. idea how I managed to, you know, I was in so much pain, but my body had just kind of learned to, yeah, to deal to, with it. But, yeah, it got, it, yeah. it's crazy. It, I, yeah, put them on. Yeah, sometimes, and I'm like, right, two minutes, that is it. <laughs> I cannot do anything else. Yeah. Jeez. Um, I have, like, I don't know, this is kind of like a question more about, like, being, I don't know about your environment, but was there any ever a time, like, when you're at school that you felt that kind of other people were affecting how you thought or almost, like, Say when you like when you're talking about the autumn like time of second year when yeah. you know you felt like you were becoming very overly driven yeah and you were doing so much to kind of like compensate or whatever to try and catch up mm-hmm. um and you know like would you say what was going on was like definitely un- like was unhealthy what you know what I guess you're putting yourself through what like um how... yeah so. I think around you I don't know affected that I think just because the feedback that I was getting Mm. you know they they didn't know what was going on okay they didn't know that it was different to what I'd been doing previously but they were you know they were seeing improvement from their side Mm. and therefore you know I got that feedback and to me it would just kind of reaffirmed that what I was doing was right for me, was right for my body, and I needed to be doing this much in order to get the results that I wanted to be seeing. Yeah. And, you know, I remember a couple of, you know, friends at the time, well-meaning, well-intentioned, saying that I looked good, I uh, looked strong, yeah. um, you know, that I looked, you know, that I looked good. And I think just that for me was just, it was all I needed to just keep on going the way that I was going. Mm-hmm. And... um I just I know it just makes me so sad like I just wish that you know I just wish that I could just go back and just you know make it not happen yeah yeah but then at the same time um I think it's harder because it's still something that now because I'm I just don't know how for me to not always associate dancing at my best with being the way that I was because I would much rather know that I was happy and dancing well rather than unhappy and dancing well yeah like for me that connection is still very strong yeah. and I don't for me personally and my body and the way that I dance and just my whole experience mm-hmm. I don't know how I could have got to that point without having had the problems that I had like I don't understand how I would have done that healthily because for my body to be where it was and for my mentality to be where it was. You had to be doing like, I just so. don't I just don't think I could have done it with a doing less. 
Yeah. You know, my, I had to be so yeah. consumed by it in order to do well. I couldn't, you know, I'm, I am envious of people who can, you know, look after themselves and still dance exceptionally. Mm. But for me, I just, you know, I, I can't work that out in my head even now, you yeah. know, knowing what I know through my uni course and, you know, just as like a normal human being who is, you know, I, I fairly well-rounded. I just, yeah. I just don't know how I could have done it any other way. And that's so sad for me to yeah. have to, you know, know, I guess. It is, I think, I don't know, with, like, I, and I completely agree with you, and I was saying this, I mean, okay, obviously every adult's going to be different, but when, like, I see, like, fully grown, I don't know, this sounds so strange, but when I see, like, a woman or and she like might look a certain way and I feel like a lot of the times I can like <laughs> it's so bad but like I can tell if like something's going on do you mm. know what I mean yeah because I feel like it unless like obviously genetics plays a huge role into like body shape but and even like with dancers I can I feel like I'm quite good in terms of like with, with my experience and even like when I meet someone and kind of seen how they might talk about like food size and stuff like that I'm I'm, like very switched on when it comes to like noticing things um and it makes me because well I did my dissertation basically about can a ballet dancer um Mm -hmm. like according to like dance science research like or like it's kind of based around like can they achieve like peak performance while also like maintaining a certain physique mm-hmm. because that was something that's really interests me because I don't when I think like I don't know can for the aesthetic unless genes are played into it but a lot of people don't have the genes can yeah. dancer be truly like happy like mm-hmm. or are they gonna have to be sacrificing things in order to continue to look a certain way or perform a certain way or be perceived a certain way by the teachers like I don't know and I think that's something I've definitely struggled with because like I keep thinking like I think I'll be like well you know especially like in terms of I don't know if you ever felt like a com- like well I assume I think every dancer goes through like a comparison thing of like comparing themselves to you know people yeah, they sure. or people they know and you know I might look at someone and I'll be like oh like you know I want to look like them and then I think but wait like I either know or maybe I don't know but it's like well are they happy are they Mm -hmm. looking after themselves like I don't know what they're doing I don't like and it's I don't know like it's such a hard thing like what you say like in terms of thinking like okay when I was at my best like I wasn't or when I was at my best according to external people like I yeah wasn't exactly happy. and it's it's so so true and it that's I really like what you said there about it being an external thing because the, that feeling for me of feeling like I was dancing at my best mm-hmm. came from having that external person saying you are dancing better yeah whereas my happier memories of feeling good dancing have come since leaving ballet school 
and dancing when I want to, when I feel like I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've ha- I've been happy you know, dancing and I felt, you know, yeah, my technique is, you know, all over the place, whatever, you know. But I have actually had just had that enjoyment back from it, which I definitely didn't have when I was at school. Mm. Um, and as well, what you were saying about... Um, Oh, like comparison and comparing um again that is definitely something that I can relate to um just I guess with the way that it, my year group was selected or whatever um there were very few tall dancers there was a three of us who were probably above you know five seven I'm five eleven so I'm about six okay. two one point so yeah. you know um stand out like a sore thumb basically um always at the back and um, the rest of the dancers in the school, and I guess even with the teachers I've trained with, have all been very petite, small ladies. I've, n- I've never really had someone who I can look up to who is a tall dancer, um, who kind of understands that self-consciousness that you have in a room full of small, petite, you know, females. Mm-hmm. And I guess from the ages of about, you know, probably started taking it more seriously at age 11 age 12 to about 16 you know Mm -hmm. I was very lucky I'll say in inverted commas to be you know completely flat just a beanpole tall you know and didn't have to manage that I guess you know it all came very naturally and then as soon as you know I hit puberty um not even like massively you know just the natural changes it wasn't a big deal really for me um that came when I left ballet school and my body completely changed and I had to mm-hmm. deal with that on top of losing yeah. dance and yeah. we'll get into that whatever mm-hmm. um and when I actually started having to manage it and I say manage yeah I you know I think that I really rela- I relate to that. Oh God, that's yeah. That's manage body manage your body. Yeah, and that was just when. Yeah, and that because what had always been complimented was my body type, and you know, oh, you have such gorgeous legs. You're so tall. Your body's perfect. Yeah, and then when that started, not slipping, but it wasn't something that I could not think about you know it was something that I had to control for myself yeah um and my dancing was just kind of this thing that was like oh you know she can dance but her body's the thing we want kind of thing yeah that became the thing that I had to maintain because I knew my dancing wasn't my like not my strong point but it was always my body that was favored over my dancing and I felt very conscious of that first dancing second yeah 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 yeah. whereas I think for a lot of my friends and really good friends you know, they, I, you know, a lot of them have natural talent and to know that I didn't have that, but I had this body that they wanted, Yeah. but they had the talent and the natural ability that I, you know, oh, it, the comparison drove me insane, yeah. honestly. <laughs> I completely relate to that. Um, feel like I was in a similar position. Um, I remember having conversations with my friends and I look back and I'm like, okay, you were definitely delusional. Like, <laughs> like. Oh, like you know, like know, oh, like the size of our legs, and like yeah, tox like such toxic conversations, and people, you know, be like, but oh no, Romy, what are you talking about? Like, no, 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 no. like you know, I want 
you'll be like, but I've, but it's yeah. like, and it's yeah. awful because I myself honestly said to anyone who's listening that you know I had this conversation with that and that's there was an issue because I couldn't I couldn't see it I didn't see myself how yeah. everyone else it's saw me that, yeah it's that inability then at that point to be logical and rationalize it because that I other bit is just stronger yeah felt so insecure about like my turnout my flexibility and I'd look at other dancers and I'd be like like I want I want that I value that more important I'd rather dance mm-hmm. like that then look like this and it's so yeah. weird because like I'll look back I'm like well like you're fine like do you know what I mean like <laughs> at the end of the world but and then yeah. I the mindset of thinking like especially when my body started to change but I actually did start to feel a lot stronger and it, I became a lot more kind of like happy and kind of just enjoying like I feel like yeah. my well, my relationship with food got a lot better um and I look back well, even then, I was like, well, you know, I would rather dance better, have more energy throughout the day, be stronger, than feel like I'm always, like I'm fighting a losing battle, like, constantly. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. was like, I'm not, I'm not going to put, like, why do I have to put myself yeah. through that? Like, yeah. To... That was the turning point for me, like, probably, I'd say, April, May of my second year when it was that feel that final it, it was finding that kind of freedom and thinking why am I why am I doing this to myself like it's that lo- you know every every day you're losing it like you know you're never fulfilled yeah. you don't feel free you're not yeah it's that yeah I've told, I completely yeah. get that but yeah that was definitely I mean, how I was feeling yeah <laughs> especially when I like I think back and it's like you know like I think a lot of the time, especially in like first year and second year, why I wasn't picked for things, although I might have had, you know, a nice body, I wasn't mm-hmm. strong enough. I, you know, I couldn't, I was kind of a bit like Bambi on point shoes. I'd previously to Valley West. I'd that, been, I've been described as a Bambi. I, that was in my life too. Point a week. <laughs> yeah. So I, went, I was literally doing nothing. Um, and so I wasn't strong. I, like, I wasn't very flexible. I had, I'm still not, like, it's still something I struggle with. But I definitely, it was, like, a more obvious thing then and turnout and more technical things. And and I kind of also realised that, like, I wasn't getting picks for stuff for stuff because of that as well. Um, and then, like, then I had a flip in my, like, the switch in my brain. I was like, well, you know, like, not that I'm going to, like, let not letting my body slip or whatever, but. I'd rather, like, why am I so kind of obsessed with kind of how I look when or at the end of the day people getting picked for other things, which I get, like, which is good. Like, I'm glad that, you know, not everyone was, like, picked because of their body shape, but I really struggled to think, like, because I, I was getting praised in the classroom, but then I feel like it wasn't, like, transferring into like in terms of like casting stuff when I look back mm-hmm. um I don't know so I really struggled I was like well you know why don't you like trying to work on becoming like a stronger dancer and I'm like I can like you know you don't ha- why do I have to I don't have to feel so pressured to look a certain way because um like you know I wasn't really no one was like 
putting the pressure on me to look a certain way. I was getting more pressure because of like the way I dance, but it definitely went through like stages. Like that's how I felt in first year, but it can like, it changed in third year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a really weird thing. Just out of interest, did you have this kind of feeling before you went to Bally West, before you went to vocational school? Uh, I like, think had you had any, yeah, had you had anything before that? Yeah, I think, <laughs> it's really weird, um, <laughs> this is going to be the first time I'm probably going to say it, um, but yeah, I think it's kind of something that I've struggled with for like a quite a long time. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm going to do an episode. I'll definitely do, go more into it. But I think especially, like, I was talking to, like, off the podcast, but now the podcast people get to hear it too, um, <laughs> um, how that I had a growth spurt um, when I was, like, 13, 14. But from the age of nine, um, like, my body has always been something I'm being very aware of, which is yeah. so sad, literally, when I think about it. Um so yeah it's something that's kind of on and off continued through my Mm -hmm. life unfortunately um but I think I feel like a lot of people will relate to that though yeah well I hope so Um, yeah (laughs) well like I'm so sorry I just feel like I put you a bit on the spot yeah but thank you so much for for sharing because I know it's hard I want it's like yeah it's hard but I think it's important so it's yeah um so I'd say kind of like that has been up and down. Like it was never like, I'd say it was never super consistent, but it's something I've always been very aware of um, mm-hmm. from quite a young age. Um, and then, I don't know, like as you grow up, you I feel like a lot of girls will get comments on their body from whoever. Um so there's like been points where you know stuff has like stayed with me yeah yeah definitely um but then I remember when I went to vocational school I I was in a very different position than I was I guess when I was like nine years old in terms of like my body had completely changed and I kind of now look like how I'd always wanted to look like that sounds really strange um when I say it out loud but um but then I guess you know, as I kind of got older and I started going through puberty, although I wouldn't say I have actually properly gone through puberty because there's still, you know, stuff that hasn't yeah. been sorted out. Um, but because it's like, I guess, how I've looked has always been something I've been very hyper aware about. Um, it's something that's kind of always controlled how I've like, see myself in well not see myself but kind of like thought about myself like as a dancer um but then I feel like end of second year beginning of third year I kind of got to the point where I was I was like I'm kind of fed up with I'm fed up with feeling this way um so and I feel like I had like a bit of a flip of a switch in terms of like kind of that I guess um and I don't know, like, I've definitely, like, I don't know. Um, I don't know how to explain it. Except that, like, it's a lot more balanced now. And, and sure. from, 
like I say in the second year I kind of was like so I was kind of over with feeling like a pressure and I was like I just want to be strong I just want to um like I want to enjoy my life I want to I don't want to feel like I'm constantly trying to impress teachers and fit into maybe the mold that I'd created when I started but like I was just fed up with feeling like that um yeah mm. I don't know it's really it's a it's a weird story and it was very weird talking about but I think uh, yeah sure really I feel like enough. so many people will relate to it though you know I've had yeah. um conversations with friends since mm. I left ballet school and we've definitely talked more openly about it because a lot of them are interested in what I'm studying and my kind of transition (laughs) back into normal life Mm. um and so we have had quite a few conversations which we wouldn't have had I don't think if we'd still been both in training yeah and one thing that's come up and I know that your you know your podcast is very much you know breaking down barriers and talking about things that people don't want to talk about I remember saying to one friend fairly recently actually who also had a couple of problems and um you know she had a pretty dark time I think in third year and struggled and we were talking about that and we were talking about how she's doing now mm-hmm. and we were kind of um you know like we had been fairly close but we are closer now I think because of the stuff we've talked about since leaving because yeah. we feel more able to yeah and we were saying um you know when you have it all in your head but then actually saying it out loud you're like why am I doing this why am I putting this out there but we were saying that you know for both of us um I think both of us turned like vegetarian fairly early on so I wouldn't have been 11 or 12 I think she was around a similar age um purely to start cutting stuff out oh yeah that I'm vegan I can I'll talk about that (laughs) yeah um and you know that kind of you know I'm still veggie it's still something you know, I, it's still something I can't, I didn't, I can't see myself changing mm-hmm. that at the minute. Yeah. Um, but also another kind of benchmark, if you like, um, was getting our periods. And I remember for me, especially, I think I must have been 17 or 18 when I finally did start. Mm-hmm. And for me at that time, even though it was before I went to vocational school, I must have been 17 because I went to school at 17. Mm-hmm. I remember being absolutely devastated because it meant that I was healthy enough for my body to be able to do that. And that meant that, you know, I, that was the start of me. I would have to start working on it because I knew that if you were slim enough, if you had the right body, you probably wouldn't get it. And I remember that for me being a sign of, you know, being, yeah, I, can, <laughs> I know. I, I can see you in my I can see you in my tablet being like and I was like that that was my life and I remember just thinking right this is it now I need to you know mm-hmm. this is not okay I cannot like this shouldn't be happening if I'm if I have the right body I should this is something that shouldn't be happening to me and it's still something I struggle with now because mm-hmm. I went for so long not having it and then it being irregular and it being back and being forth and you know the girls you know who talk about it you say oh you know i I haven't had mine for six, seven months. And you'd just be like, well, I've been getting mine. So obviously I'm doing something wrong. And it's that kind of, you know, for fuck's sake, it's, you're a woman. This is what I happens to you. Yeah. This is what happens to your body. It is not an indicator of anything you should or shouldn't be wanting. It's, And that is something, you know, I've had to work 
so hard to reframe in my mind but I know that it's something that so many people will be struggling with see I completely relate to that but I'm not sure how many people like in terms of my class Mm -hmm. when I look back a lot of them you know a lot of my classmates were getting like pretty regular periods there's a few that were like on and off the pill some people had a regular but it's really interesting because I've never had that conversation with anyone I didn't at all whilst I was there because you just didn't well no yeah you just didn't yeah but I (laughs) it's so like like definitely there's I need to get that sorted but yeah like I haven't started my period still to this day and I'm going to do a whole episode on that because I think not I'll be really interested to listen to that that's yeah (laughs) I think it's it's so important and it's not talked about enough not talked about and only more recently have I realized kind of like how I guess dangerous it, dangerous it is to not have mm-hmm. it but in terms of like thinking the mindset and that's definitely something that I've struggled with and I was actually talking to my friend the other day about like oh, it's so weird but like a big kind of fear of going to get help to like start my period is like when I went like two years ago was you know they told me I was going to be put on a pill and mm-hmm. you know you hear about the side effects of a pill being weight gain and that is something that really kind of freaked me and out. And you're straight away like, nah, I'm not doing um, that then. No, I lost the piece yeah. of paper. Like, no, yeah. sorry, thank you very much. And, yeah. you know, still to this day, that's something that I don't want to, I'm like, okay, like, although I know how bad it is, um, it's kind of like, I'd like to go see, first of all, before like I just, you know, decide what I'm going to do, like I need to, I feel like I need to go see a specialist, like a special mm-hmm. sports or athlete I don't know if you've heard of Rini McGregor or I have yeah, yeah love her go see her and kind of try and find the deep root of the issue rather than going to the GP and getting a pill to kind of like mask the issue yeah you want to try and like get to the root of it um but I remember definitely thinking going through um, oh my god this is okay this is probably a bit TMI to anyone listening but um, I remember when I'd like go through phases of like, I guess like as a woman, you'll get signs that you're getting your period, your body, you know, does things. And I remember thinking that, you know, when my body did do things, I was like, I was like, oh no, I'm going to start my period. That means I'm healthy. Like, what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And it, we need, this is something that just people do not talk about. And that is exactly, and yeah. you're like, Oh my god! Like, it's but now so I'm just so grateful that I can react like this because at the time it was just devastation. I was just it was a hot. But now I can see just how delusional and just it makes you think about all the stuff that actually goes into making you think like that. It's like, so messed up, and I don't know. Why. Yeah, like it stems from gone something. It's, but I guess oh, I don't even yeah. know love to like chat to like my friends from like school and see if anyone ever felt the same because I feel like I've been I'm so sure they would um like in terms like one of my best friends is thank god kind of not she goes to a dance school uh in London Mm -hmm. um actually did a podcast with her so she knows who she is but I'm really grateful to have someone like so close to me that doesn't kind of have that kind of toxic relationship and doesn't think like that so then that when I have a conversation with her, she can be like, hey, like, that's not yeah. right. Like, yeah. Like, and I'm like, oh, does no one else think like this? <laughs> like, I'm like, 
<laughs> oh my god it actually pains me how much I can relate to this because it's just it's just <laughs> ridiculous but you just you just think it's normal I know and it's just it's awful like and please like anyone who is listening to this podcast because I mean like I've my last episode got like 100 listeners and the ones before getting like 100 so there's there's over 100 of you listening and anyone is listening to this and is thinking the same please like I'm sorry but you are in a delusion like yeah I don't even like yeah is all I can say is if you're thinking like that it's not right that's not how it should be um and yeah it's really important that you have your period but I'm going to do an episode about that because I don't know yeah and there are places and people you can speak to as well I think it's also really important to say that um you know there are there's so many good people with evidence and science and who want to uh fix this and you know just oh I can't even yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it's so weird looking back like literally but it's so funny because I've actually never said that out loud. Like, I've never had that conversation with anyone because I've always felt like I was the only one feeling that way. So that's big steps in the right direction. Um, yeah, that's good. But it's, I don't know, it's just so weird, like, looking back at, like, times where I've kind of felt that way. But I don't know, I'm more kind of like, did were other people in your class, like, were there other people around you that... I don't know if triggering is the right word, but I remember like when I was at those times when, you know, people around me would, I guess, I don't know, go through phases or people mm-hmm. that I saw and their actions and their attitudes and seeing them being praised for, I don't know, say like losing weight and kind of like yeah. things that were going that like people would talk about. They're like, oh, have you seen so-and-so? Like, oh, do 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 Mm-hmm. And stuff like that would kind of like really, not really trigger me, but it would kind of like, it would make me like think. I'd be like, oh, like, sure. should I be doing that too? Like, all mm-hmm. things like that. I don't know if you ever felt that way or that was ever a thing. Yes, I mean, um, I mean, I've I've had conversations about this before, um, especially in the last year, and I'm quite happy to say that the um, I actually. I don't want to say learned, um, observed, I guess, um, unhealthy weight loss management from fellow dancers. That was how I, um, you know, it wasn't something that occurred to me naturally, I guess. It was definitely something that I picked up on um, from, I think I was about 13, 14. Yeah. And... Yeah, I mean, it was just taught, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, I don't think that is some, you know, sadly, I don't think that is something that is unusual in yeah. um, a lot of these environments. And I think that, um, I don't even know. Yeah, I, again, I guess it just comes back to that kind of comparison thing and you wouldn't be, those kind of conversations weren't ever discreet you know they weren't yeah. it's a it it's funny what dancers choose and choose not to talk about I think yes 
um, and which kind of methods, I say in inverted commas, and behaviours are more accepted yep. to talk about mm-hmm. than the ones that aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that those kind of discussions that were had among friends when I was at school and when I was training when I was younger definitely had um you know definitely had a role in why you know these are things that I was still engaging in when I was 19 20 21 you know yeah so yeah de- definitely yeah I think that I'm I feel like a lot of dancers definitely feel that that way too I remember especially if things were kind of not made public but I guess there were a few incidents where I guess someone's the way someone looked became a topic at the dinner table say mm-hmm. and I hate that that's a thing like I look back and it's just like why are we even you know why are we talking about this why are we discussing how someone looks and I remember there was like one a few times where as someone who has kind of like that's something they've always struggled with I feel like I'm very like I said earlier I'm quite good at noticing signs early on um so I remember like a few instances where you know we'd be talking about people or like someone in particular and someone's like oh you know they look really good like oh I really want to look like them and I'd be like well we don't know how they're doing it Uh so yeah you know I don't think I don't think I'd literally I would be like I don't think it I don't think it's healthy I don't think they're doing it healthily because you know like from you know from I guess I wouldn't say experience but just from being very hyper aware about it um it's something that I notice straight away like it's just something that I noticed really early on and yeah I just remember always questioning when I guess when someone was losing weight I'd be like well you know I don't think they're doing it healthily like the because the majority of the time they're not like that's just the facts there's so much crap I guess advice and like what you said like weight management things that go around and the majority of the time they're not healthy like so you know how you know how you know dancers are doing whatever they like there'll be people doing whatever they can to look a certain way and the majority of the time it isn't right and they're not looking after their body and they're not happy like mm-hmm. and yeah I just I think it's, it's kind of sad because especially I guess at the early stages of when that happens most of the time it's not seen severe enough to get I guess help yeah, to warrant any attention. Yeah, totally. Um, and at the start, it's usually, I guess, praised and seen in a positive light, which is kind of, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, yeah, and once you make that connection at that young age, that then has implications for the rest of their training. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, oh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, could go on about <laughs> that, but I won't. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's just, I don't know, like looking back, I just, um, it's so interesting just like having like all these like vivid memories of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's um, like odd moments, isn't it? There's like, I feel like everyone has their handful of 
memories where they have either had things said to them or they have seen things or they have heard things. Yeah. And yeah, we've we've all got them, I think. And it is sad and it is unfortunate and it is something that needs to change. Yeah. I'm really hoping though that I guess because I think more conversation I think more people need to be questioning things when mm-hmm. it comes to stuff like this rather than thinking because this is something I do vividly remember and it'd be more like oh you know like I'm still si- like they're still eating so they're not ill well I don't agree I you know I don't agree with that um and I look back and I just I think more peers and people if there's someone that they know and sign you I don't know you see anything I think you know it needs to be addressed earlier rather than later and obviously I know it's not an easy topic to talk Mm -hmm. about and this is you know why I want to do this because I want it to be an easy topic an easier topic to talk about yep um but I just think, oh, I don't know how to explain it, except that, like, I think everyone kind of just, like, needs to be, I think everyone kind of is aware, but it's about, you know, choosing, not choosing to ignore it and think that it's normal, mm-hmm. but kind of realising, I mean, everyone's different, but, like, say if you do feel like, you know, you're healthy and you have a healthy relationship with food, and, you know, you are happy, but you have a friend who, you know, is the total opposite or, you know, well, not the total opposite, but is like going through things that maybe are not super obvious. But, you know, you notice things kind of like picking that up. I just feel like there's so much stuff that's normalized. And if you're able to pick it up and like realize that it's not normal, then that's good. Mm-hmm. And I think more people need to like realize. I know it's like it's really hard to not to kind of like step away, step out of the bubble, and look into it and be like, "Well, this isn't right." Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think definitely in terms of eating issues and all kind of mental health um, yeah. kind of um, issues, I guess you know, early intervention, even outside of dance, is you know repeatedly proven to be the most effective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it becomes harder to treat and harder to change once you're once it becomes something that's you know been going on for a prolonged period of time yeah and I think as well within dance to take it you know back into context mm-hmm. being able to detect it early on and being able to talk about it early on mm-hmm. you know there is no there's very little specialized support you know dance teachers are not counsellors dance teachers are not mental health workers and although it is something that we do need to implement more into training you know Mm -hmm. anyone can become a dance teacher there is no kind of regulatory you know there are various routes you can go into training to be a teacher Mm -hmm. and it's amazing that so many do decide to take those accredited qualifications but you know anyone can set up a dance school so you know those individuals don't have the um specialized experience to be able to deal with these issues and then most schools unless they're you know the royal ballet or you know they've got a funding provision for healthcare, they don't have 
people who they can effectively signpost to be able to deal with those issues. And that is yeah. something that I know so many individuals are trying to change and so many people are trying to offer support and services to dancers. Um, but, it, you know, it's a, it's a work in progress. And I think it is something that until people with the power to bring these professionals in and who want to um, value dancers' health, both psychological, you know, physical health, I think, for dancers come on in leaps and bounds, you know, most on-site, you know, most dance schools, dance companies will have on-site physios, on-site massage kind of facilities. Very few will have a counsellor or a psychologist. And until that side is valued as much as the physical side, it is going to be very hard to change that because dance teachers, physical therapists are not qualified to provide that support. Yeah. 100% 100% agree um yeah I think that's something I remember in my dissertation really talking about kind of having that that support for dancers particularly around like how they I guess treat their body and how they like look after self because I feel like a lot of dancers especially if you're leaving home at quite a young age go into all this completely blind there's so much change to deal with and you're dealing with it so quickly on top of ballet which is hard enough in itself yeah it's already you know you're already dealing with so much you know to put on moving you know to different countries to train and you know you're 16 17 years old it's already a really vulnerable time as a young adolescent you know young adult Mm -hmm. and you're effectively left to your own devices with support of good friends you know who are also going through the exact same thing. Exactly. And, and that's that... where you get that kind of toxic environment because no yeah. one is dealing with it effectively. So you're leaning on everyone else's coping strategies. Uh-huh. And it's yeah. just like yeah. a melting pot of everyone's shit. Just like <laughs> melting, like, everyone's issues are like merging together. Yeah. No one to like be like, stop, think rationally. Like, <laughs> no one is thinking rationally. Like, everyone's in... Yeah. A- you know, competitive, comparative mindset, you know, and no one, you know, you don't have anyone from the outside world that's like, you know, hey, slow down. How about, about we look at this in a more effective, rational, you yeah. know, adaptive um, yeah. way? Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't, exactly. it just doesn't happen, I don't think. And no, 100%. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> We wouldn't be having this chat if it was something that did happen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, is there anything that you kind of want to like touch upon, whether it be kind of your chain, like how you, I guess, adapted from moving from vocational school to then going to university? Mm. Um, was that like a big? I don't know, did that, or oh, I assume it would, you know, it's a different, completely different space. Yeah. Moving into it, like how you dealt with that. Yeah. So um, it's not been linear. There have been, um, I yeah. think at the start, I severely underestimated how hard I would find it. Mm-hmm. I had, I think, in a good nature, and it was all well meaning. I had a lot of people tell me that once I left ballet school and started uni, everything was going to be right as rain. I was going to be out of the environment that I didn't want to be in anymore. 
moving to you know a lovely place I was going to be doing something I enjoyed and was good at um you know and I I wanted to believe that and I was like yes yes that's you know it's going to be great and I'm going to be able to dance in an environment that I don't find um you know difficult and upsetting yeah and you know I, I did struggle and initially I tried to go back into you know no I'm not struggling I'm fine this is all good it's okay and it wasn't um I ended up stopping dancing because I couldn't separate my old kind of ways of thinking about it um Mm -hmm. and as well the university I go to is very focused on contemporary dance and I'm a classically trained ballet dancer and on top of everything else having to you know stick out in a room full of contemporary dancers who are very talented you know I found it so hard and I just wasn't in the mindset to have to learn mm-hmm. and go through all that as well yeah. and you know my program leader at uni and the whole kind of university have just been incredible there's absolutely no way that I would have finished this course uh, without that group of people who've helped me to kind of navigate this last yeah. the last two years mm-hmm. um, and you know there have been times where I'll be in lectures and we're talking about things especially kind of psychology I guess and learning about um some of the stuff that I went through and why I went through that and why I felt like this and it's been very emotional it's felt like therapy sessions sometimes and sometimes that it's hard to deal with when you're in a seminar of people who haven't had the experiences that you've had and you're trying to just like distance yourself from it yeah exactly you're like right I can't cry right now if I could then I like I need to and I need to like let this out but yeah so that has at times been hard but I think that um I don't even know like it has just been the best thing I think that has happened to me um yeah and it has been really hard and I'm now taking a year out actually because it all happened so fast and I really do just need some time to kind of process everything and um I think as well the reason that I jumped straight into going to uni was because I was so scared that I would have time to kind of ruminate and think about leaving ballet and I was just I was just terrified that if I wasn't busy then I wouldn't cope yeah um and again you know not the most adaptive healthy strategy but at the time like I was just so right I just need to carry on just need to keep going and it has worked out. And now I know that I am in a better place because I can now say, right, I'm going to take this year out and I don't feel guilty for it. Yeah, you know, that. and that has been because, uh, honestly, like this course has just like saved me. I think, honestly, like, you know, I wouldn't have made it through another year in ballet school. I can say that yeah. hand on heart. And yeah. Um, yeah, to anyone who... I don't know, I do know a couple of dancers who have done similar things, you know, they haven't made it all the way through mm-hmm. school and, you know, have kind of transitioned into um, normal life, civilian life, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, you know, yes, it it's not going to be plain sailing, but I just, I just want to say, you know, just remember how, like, how your unhappiest point when you were dancing Mm. and in time you will be about as far away from that point as you can imagine Mm -hmm. and that is something that at the time that you know in that autumn when I was just 
so miserable. I genuinely never thought that I would be at where I am now. Yeah. And, you know, there there is life beyond ballet. There really, really is. You know, it is not the be all and end all. And you do not have to let it consume you in order to be successful. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, I think that's definitely, like, for a lot of dancers, um, like, it's hard to separate. I was actually listening to, like, a podcast about, like, a ballet dancer talking about, you know, like, this quarantine has been really good because it's kind of made them realise that, you know, there is life outside of ballet. It's the longest break that dancers around the globe have ever had. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah away from being in the studio every day with mirrors and comments and people saying things and it's so nice and I think why I've enjoyed it so much is just because I just feel so free Mm -hmm. but at the same time like I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing every day and um I feel like I'm just doing everything for myself rather than and that is so important and you lose that you lose that doing it for yourself oh 100 percent. it becomes a you know trying to impress someone else and I'm like oh I'm so fed up with it like do you know what I mean like I'm just (laughs) I was just so over it um so it's been really nice that and I hope you know I hope other people like other dancers out there have been like feeling the same because yeah Um, okay. Is there anything else you want to touch on? We've been going on for a length. I can't believe. <laughs> but I'm loving it. Um, I, I, re- I think it'll be a really good um, episode. I think everyone listening will really enjoy it. Um, but yeah, is there anything, lastly, that you'd like to, I don't know, kind of end on or t- touch on, talk about, whatever? I guess. Um, just to say, you know, I, if you are a dancer, and I know quite a lot of your audience are probably training, um, in vocational school mm-hmm. and, you know, they're taking classes. I don't know how much kind of academic stuff different courses do, but have a look at dance science because it's something that, you know, you did your diss on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that's becoming so much more accessible, um, yeah. to dancers. There are organizations in the UK, such as One Dance. Um, organizations in the US um, and they're doing incredible work to try and um, get the research from like you know academic papers and the less accessible format to dancers to actually help them and I think now with this kind of momentum that we're getting for mental health especially you know I think there is so much that um the dancers can learn from and get involved with you know research and activities and I just think there is such a momentum to try to try and build a generation of healthier happier dancers and it really is just something that I would strongly kind of advocate for you looking into you know it's not this kind of big scary you know dance research isn't something for like I don't know like Oh, I don't even know. It's not something that's confined to just your books, you know. It's something that you can use to help your dancing. Yeah, um, definitely. And, you know, if anyone has any kind of questions or, um, you know, wants to find out more about it, you know, I'm sure I can put some social media links in or something. I'm always more than happy to be asked any questions. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. yeah. 
just get in touch, learn, and make sure that there is more going on in your life than ballet because it will help you be a better dancer. The more well-rounded you are as an individual, you will be a happier, healthier, more rounded dancer. And yeah, definitely agree. Yeah. <laughs> that was really lovely. Um, I really enjoyed that whole, the whole 85 minutes. Oh my gosh, so did I. <laughs> um, I think it's been really, I don't know, I've found it really nice to kind of like just talk to someone who has, I can just really like we're religious. Yeah, I felt like I was. Yeah, just talking to someone who's who's had such similar experiences. Lovely. Well, not lovely. I'm so sad that you've also had, you know, some of the rubbish bits. But it's really lovely to hear, you know, from you as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, okay. So before we end the episode, Mm -hmm. tell the listeners where they can find you. Um, how they can get in contact with you I'll leave all the links in the description of the episode but yeah okay cool yeah so I'm on Twitter it's just Tabitha Morse um, I'm also on Instagram um, Romy can pop my um, yes. little handle thing in the description yep. um, mm-hmm. yeah feel free to yeah message me do whatever and if anyone has any questions I'm more than happy to answer mm-hmm. anything so do get in touch um, yeah definitely yeah. do in touch guys don't be scared (laughs) Um, okay thank you so much for coming on Tabitha it's been oh thank you so much for having me I've loved it it's yeah it's been Um, and to all you listeners out there really hope you enjoyed the episode make sure to you know give a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts Um, make sure to subscribe to whatever channel you're listening on um, it means a lot and I really want to, you know, continue making these episodes. Like, I'm not stopping the podcast anytime soon, don't worry. But, you know, knowing that there's support out there that I can, like, I guess see just means that I know that people want to hear it. So that'd be really amazing if you could, like, share and, like, post about the podcast if you enjoyed it. Um, I think that's it. Thank you so much, guys. Um, so I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.